This is Cody Fields from Westminster Effects. With my pastor and internet stranger and the occasional special guest, we at the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast are brought together by an excitement for worship, an unflappable passion for theology, and general nerdiness for all things church. You're like, oh, you're down with the evangelical hymns. Over and over again, he would ask them, have you not read? Having that, that healthy faith life that's rooted in scripture. Are you trying to point people toward Jesus? <laughs> if it's hip, if it's hype, if it's cool, if it's trendy, just put me on that wave, baby. We explore the substance of worship and church leadership while standing firm on the foundation of scripture and basking in the light of the gospel. We'd love to have you join us for the Doxology Podcast, brought to you by Westminster Effects. New episodes released every week and available on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catcher. Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com. Also, make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge, even though that's a mouthful, on Facebook. You can also support us on Anchor. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and leave a five-star review. Joining me, as always, is Bradley Cox, lead pastor of Resurrection as well as this is john ross westminster effects artist and church nerd from lincoln nebraska so guys i have a really bad case of gas right now not <laughs> i can the smell i can smell up. it 10 yeah, states not away the kind that's not the kind that's going to show up in the microphone but today we're talking about gear acquisition syndrome uh Every musician goes through this at, well, almost every musician goes through some form of gas at some point in their life, uh, in some form, whether it's, hey, I need a new guitar, or I'm going to buy all of the pedals, uh, even though this might uh, provide a foundation to scuttle my entire business. <laughs> <laughs> but but the uh, kind of the definition I came up with or gear acquisition syndrome is an insatiable urge to acquire gear in an effort to change to achieve the perfect tone. Uh, John, you being more of a gearhead than Bradley, go ahead and riff on that, and then Bradley will come to you specifically for pastor type stuff. <laughs> well, I am. <laughs> That's the technical term, right? Yeah, I guess. So. <laughs> That's what his degree is in. Pastor like right. stuff. Pastor stuff. <laughs> well, I am, uh, I, th I hope, uh, a recovering uh, a gas sufferer. I suppose it's a uh, serious note. It's an addiction. Let's get that out of the way right away. Um, you know, we joke, we, we give it its own little acronym, its own little initialism uh, and, and whatnot. It's like, oh, I'm gassing hard for, you know, this, you know, mojo hand rook or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, whatever. Bradley knows exactly what you're talking yeah. about too. It's a pedal. It, it clicks. Um, you know, we, we treat it cutesy, um, but it's something that I've struggled with hard, like intensely. And oh, yeah. every, because pretty much, you know, pretty much every guitarist with a substantial pedal board, I mean, that's evidence of it. <laughs> well, for sure, for sure. Um, and, and because of my history with it, you know, I'm, I will readily admit it is an addiction. And as so many addictions are, it's something that you're never cured of. It's just something that kind of hangs around um, that you have to be mindful and intentional uh, not to uh, fall back into. That doesn't mean stay away from the items necessarily. It just means be careful. But anyways, this is something I struggled with for a long, long time, um, all the way back into college. And that's really where it started. Um, I mean, when I came to college, I had a, you know, a non-cutaway acoustic guitar. It was, I mean, it was a dreadnought, no electronics. And I had like a PV Raptor EXP electric guitar, like just the cheapest thing. Like this was before like Walmart and Target were selling electric guitars. 
is like you had to go to a music store. It was the cheapest thing a music store had. So I came there, and then so I started going to our Wednesday night praise service. Our Friday, uh, you know, our chapels on Friday morning was more of a contemporary slant to it. And so I was seeing these other guys with, I mean, these beautiful guitars, and I mean things that I never would even have picked up in a store. Martins, Taylors, you know, things like that. And that's immediately when I got the itch. I think within the first couple of weeks of school, I bought some crappy Fender acoustic electric cutaway. I mean, it was probably made out of plastic uh, from musician <laughs> for musician's friend for way too much, but I had to have it, of course, um, because, because well, it's other guys. Fender. Well, because all these other guys, I actually didn't even care for Fender back then. I was like, oh, that's a mainstream brand. I was, I was trying to be like, you know, unique about everything. Um, but it was cheap. And so, you know, so I, I went with it and that was the first time I gave into it. I gave into that desire to have something that I didn't have without a reason for having it. Like I, I, I would later go on to do, you know, to be you know, a leader in the bands and things like that. And, you know, obviously an electrified instrument of some sort is, is pretty much required in that scenario. I mean, sure there's miking things, but you know, you're a kid in college, like make it easy. Um, so sure. I went along to do that. But that was kind of the first time that I gave in to that I need this because I really want it and I want to be like the other people. Um, yeah, and I mean, that, my, you know, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. I thought you were done. Well, I mean that <laughs> that really started a a huge journey uh, through through college where um, I was churning all the time. Like every other weekend, um, you know, I drive into the next biggest city and go to the music stores, go to uh, music, go around, trade this for that. And like I had no concept of tone, and I was pretty much an all acoustic musician at the time. So like I was I had like twelve strings coming in. I you know like like a, had a resonator at one point. You know, My all, be, all because <laughs> oh yeah, I've had banjos and resonators and mandolins and auto harps and I mean all sorts of stuff. Um, different guitars because the body shapes sound different. You know, I started getting not only um, addicted to that feeling of excitement and that thrill of, of going and getting something, uh, but also, you know, starting Premiere Guitar. I mean, YouTube was starting to come out, and so content was starting on there. You know, and I started to feel like I, like this is how I could interact with the community by, you know, going and buying crap. Uh, and I was excited about it and I felt like a real musician. Of course, I didn't spend any time actually practicing, you know? Um, and you know, by the time I left college, I had tons, of, I had strats and tellies and LP copies and, and amps and heads and acoustic instruments. And, um, I went from, um, you know, I had, I had a pedal for almost every everything, and not not even like intelligently done. Like I, you know, I had acoustic processor pedals and a reverb pedal because I thought it was cool. You know, this was before like the pedal board thing took back off. Um, you know, and then I eventually bought you know a Pod XT Live because Lincoln Brewster was the shiz at that time, and <laughs> you know, like. It was just buy, 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 or trade, 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 always thinking of the next thing. And rather than having meaningful conversations with friends, it would be, you know, it'd be about gear. It'd be about, oh, what do you think about this? Hey, check out this thing I just got. Hey, you know, I've been thinking about changing my strings from Phosphor Browns to 8020, but only on the <laughs> only on the spruce top guitars, because because 8020 is a little too bright of an alloy to go on the street. You know, it would be stuff like that. I think about it all the time. I, I, I could imagine that I sounded just like a guitar magazine article. So uh, effectively, you know, effectively you, you gassed for the sake of purely for the sake of gear. Like it was, it was pure gear for the sake of gear at that time. You know, I think it was gear for the sake of gear and gear for the sake of what it said about me. The, yeah. the more gear, you know, I, this is going deep quick, but I've had a long time to reflect <laughs> on this. You know, I've had a long time because it is something that I've struggled with. Even recently, I've struggled with it. Sure. Um, and 
obviously we have good friends who you know who continue to struggle with this sort of stuff because it's not just gear it's not just the stuff is cool although sure i've had tons of cool stuff and and i've sold tons of cool stuff um i've gone into debt for cool stuff um but i think what really made it so alluring to me was in my head when I would see someone else with a piece of gear that I wanted, I would think that they were so cool for having that piece of gear and I wanted to be that cool. I wanted other people to look at me mm-hmm. and to see, hey, wow, look at that pedal board. Oh, you have a pod? Doesn't don't doesn't this, you know, Lincoln Brewster, doesn't he play that? You know, oh, is that what that guitar sounds beautiful. What is it? Did you just get that? I don't reckon, you know, like I wanted to be the center of attention and the way to get that in the context that I wanted in my head, at least was to get this gear to be the guy, uh, that knew about it, that had it, that played it. Um, it was, it, it's a sickness straight up. Yeah. Absolutely. A sickness. Yeah. My own, personal foray into into gas was was not so much motivated to look and be cool um obviously i've never really aspired to be cool <laughs> those, those people who know me would would attest to that um my my first guitar setup was a squire strap pack so obviously that amp is i mean it's it, it it's a terrible amp um so i ended up getting an effects unit to go with that, and it was the Line 6 Pod 1.0, the one that looked okay. like a bean. Um, and I was like, there are so many sounds I can get out of this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, it, my, it, was, it was more about exploration for me. Uh, what can I do now? You know, what kind of sounds can I mm. make that would sound really cool in this application? Well, what about this application? Uh, well, what about when I'm playing pop punk, or what about when I'm playing metal? And, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons I have a timeline is I can have, I can have sounds that sound really, really good for church. And then I have stuff that would be more applicable for my metal band. Um, so, I mean, that's, that was more along the lines of how I got started into it is, Hey, what can I do? Uh, let's, Mm. let's see what, what cool sounds and cool textures I can come up with. Um, where Bradley, you really don't give a crap about gear, do you? <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, I'm listening to identify this conversation more than I thought I would. Oh, sweet. Because, um, or sort of, I guess. Because, you know, it's just different for me. Yeah. I've never been a guitar gear head. But there was a time in my life um, where I traded golf clubs once a year. Um, I was, I was addicted to golf equipment. Like that was, that was a real thing. I remember calling my wife from, uh, golf stores, trying to talk her into letting me buy this set of golf clubs and how I'm going to pay for it is I'm going to sell the ones I've got and I'm going to get this much for them. And the, the set I'm going to buy has one or two clubs that I don't really need. So I'm going to sell those two and keep the rest and pay for the whole thing. And that stuff was going on all the time. Yeah. And it, I mean, literally for a period of probably four years, four or five years, I probably went through five or six sets of golf clubs. Mm -hmm. And then it translated into um, hunting equipment. And then it translated into cycling, got into cycling. And I was really into all of the gear associated yeah. with that. Um, and it, it is an addiction. And I think we can talk about what's at the root of it. I think the Bible has some things to say about this sort of thing. Um, and I think there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a real spiritual component to this. And then there's a, a real practical uh, component to it that um, I, I, I can certainly have thoughts about that, but, um, but yeah, I identify with this conversation more than I thought I would because you, you, you find yourself just chasing after stuff. And I think, you know, we can, we can talk about it from all different angles, but there is a root thing there that's, that's true of all, all people. And, and it is, it, it can be, it can be very, 
very toxic to our souls. Um, it's not, this is not an insignificant thing. And people might, you know, listen to this podcast and go, oh, what's the big deal? I just like gear. It's a really big deal. Uh, it can be. Yeah, and like nobody here is saying that because you are trying to sell a couple things so you can get this one thing or no, or whatever. Itself, no. um, it, my wife and I have are actually doing that right now where we got her a, a new guitar amp that uh, was going to at least be powerful enough to meet our needs uh, once once the band starts playing shows again. And she just could not meld with it. Like, yeah. like she just never developed a bond. And she was just like, I just don't like it. Um, and if, if you go into playing guitar and, and you know that you're not going to, like, you're just going to be repulsed by what comes out, mm -hmm. then, well, that's, that's pretty good cause to sell that thing and then go get something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, I mean, if something's broken beyond repair or, you know, if you've used to play, you know, used to play, you know, metal music or something. And, and now you're like, man, you know, I don't, I'm kind of, I like blues now, you know, maybe a different overdrive isn't, you know, like, I think that's the healthy way of, you know, buying gear, but having it be like your preoccupied thought. And I think that's the core is that you're preoccupied yeah. with it is that, Everything you do, you're at work, okay, you're doing your work, but you've got, you know, Reverb or Musician's Friend or WestminsterFacts.com uh, over here um, open, plug. <laughs> open on the side, and you're like, mm, man, what I could do with this. You know, if I got this, man, I could, then I go to Pedalboard Planner, and, you know, you start rearranging things. Like, if it becomes more important than the other vocations that you've been given in your life, then I think then the then we have a problem. Um, yes. I think the, the one possible exception to this is if you're a session musician or a performing touring musician who makes your like living off of this <laughs> stuff, or, you know, you're an editor for premier guitar or guitar player or whatever, you know, like being up to snuff is good on that. Entertaining yourself by watching those YouTube videos, you know, that sort of stuff. That stuff's all fine. But when it becomes more important than the other things in your life, and which we're going to you know expand upon shortly, I, I think. Uh, that's that's what we're talking about here. So for you listeners out there who are you know closing down their reverb page, you know you don't have to do it. Just make sure that uh, that we're putting priorities first. So about priorities, um, Bradley, let's let's discuss that a little bit. Well, there's a couple of things that come to mind. I mean, I don't know. I imagine maybe I'm wrong in this assumption, but I imagine that most of the people that listen to podcasts, music for them, playing music, playing guitar or whatever instrument is not a career, but you might put it in the category of a hobby. Sure. Um, now, a, a lot for the three of us, and I'm sure for a lot of people, that hobby spills over into ministry or mm -hmm. either the ministry, you know, however you think about that. Um, so nobody's saying here that that having a hobby of playing music or golf or whatever and having equipment associated with that, buying and selling, is wrong or evil in and of itself. It's, it, there's nothing wrong with a hobby. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. And then he makes this statement, but I won't be enslaved by anything. Mm -hmm. So there he starts to point out where things become problematic is when I get enslaved by something. And so the question might be, how do I know when this hobby um, has, is, is, has, you know, uh, crossed the line and, and has, has, has gotten to the point where I'm, I'm stepping into an addiction with it? Um, well, particularly with gear, John, you said something your opening statements that I thought was really interesting. You, you talked about this insatiable need to acquire gear at the expense of practicing at one point, right? So, yeah. so at that point, it's no, it's no longer about playing the guitar. It's no mm -hmm. longer about the art and the hobby itself. Now it's about the acquisition of things. And that's when, that, that to me would be a huge red flag 
for for all of us to be wary of that okay something's gone wrong in my heart now you know i'm i'm it's no longer about playing guitar for the glory of god or for the joy of 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 music and art itself it's now about the acquisition of things and the bible is full chocked full of warnings about our heart's tendency Try and be satisfied with stuff. And so it doesn't matter if it's guitar, golf, hunting, cycling, boating, fishing, pick your extracurricular activity. When those things, you know, the hobbies get supplanted by this, you know, this heart tendency to try to satisfy itself with things, that's me a huge red flag and you know jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13 god says you know for my people have committed two evils they've forsaken me the fountain of living waters and they cast out cisterns for themselves broken cisterns that hold no water it's a, it's a picture of you know humanity's greatest evil to try and satisfy ourselves with everything other than the God who longs to satisfy us with himself. And guitar gear, as much as anything else, can try to, to occupy that space in our hearts, but that's a broken cistern. It doesn't hold water. And that's, that's why I said it can become so toxic to our souls. You know, speaking, while you were speaking of that, I mean, the thing that popped into my head um, right away is, is the first commandment. You, know, you shall have no other gods before me. Um, in uh, Martin Luther's uh, explanation to the small catechism. Uh, which, which by the way, which, by the way, as we're recording this, happy Reformation Day. Oh, right, right. Uh, yes. I, yes. Know, I know this I comes saw, a week, almost a week after Reformation Day, but it is Reformation Day. Cody, I, I'm not, I don't know if this was you that posted the Lutheran satire or something, but uh, I saw something I last night. Some that stuff was like, from them. It's Reformation. You know, it was it was a picture of of Luther at the you know the Castle Church at Wittenberg, and he uh, said on Reformation Day Eve, if you hang stockings on your fireplace, Martin Luther will come while you're asleep and, uh, uh, and, pull, and pull, put insults into them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, Happy Reformation Day. Um, we do remember that uh, that Reformation is about Christ and Christ alone and not those who we use to accomplish it. Um, and on and that, we digress. <laughs> yeah. So question, question 21 to the explanation of the small catechism is uh, when do people have other gods? And if we look at uh, answer C, when they fear, love, or trust in any person or thing, as they should fear, love, and trust in God alone. Uh, some scriptural support there from Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile, and there is no one who does good. Uh, Proverbs chapter 11, whoever trusts in his riches will fall. Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And, uh, and, you know, it, the, the, list, the list goes on. Um, you know, being, being of a Lutheran background, you know, these questions and answers were, were burned into my memory. Uh, it still are. Um, and realizing that an addiction really isn't just a preoccupation. You know, it's not just an obsession. Uh, and it's not a simple sickness of the heart. It is, in fact, taking the glory and the focus away from the God who is so jealous for it and deserves it. Um, and I think that was the reality check that I personally had recently, um, you know, within within the last year or so. Because uh, this, I, I still churn Earn stuff all the time, you know, reverb up, reverb down, you know, ship here, ship there. Um, you know, because, you know, sure, I wanted to sound better. I wanted to have more flexibility. Uh, but, you know, it just, it, it got too much until I realized that 
when I was on the platform, when I was playing in Sunday worship, if I was thinking about my tone and my technique, and we talked about this in the, the practice practice episode with uh, Jason Houtsma, uh, if I was focused on that stuff, I played like a pile of garbage because the point isn't that. You know, the point is, you know, glorifying God and enabling his people and blessing his people through the music. And, you know, even, and so that was a realization for me that my focus was in the wrong place. And I had a very tangible, uh, a very tangible evidence of, of that being so. And it was that moment that I realized, man, you know, something has to change. And, you know, I've got no shame playing a squire now. Absolutely no shame playing a squire. It's almost my, my main guitar because it doesn't matter. That was the big thing for me. Like, I always felt weird, like, with epiphones and squires and no names and whatever, um, because people wouldn't think they were cool, even if it was the best sounding whatever it was in the world. Um, and I, I, I want to introduce another, another cog to this equation in that, you know, sometimes an issue like this can be a part of, of mistaken identity and where you look for identity when you say, yeah, I'm a, when someone says, who are you? I'm a guitar player. Oh yeah. What do you play? I want to play Fender. You know, I play Gibson, I play PRS or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Fender guy. I, I like the scale length. That's, that's my thing or a trucks. You know, I'm a, I'm a Ford guy. I'm a Dodge guy. You know, Mopar, Mopar, you know, <laughs> you're identified. You know, we, we like to identify ourselves with something uh, for, for whatever reason it might be. Uh, and I've had identity struggles, tons of identity struggles. I always wanted to be, yeah, I'm that guy. Or, or I would dress a certain way um, in a certain context. Like it seems childish to think back on it, but it just, I was craving that sense of identity from outside of myself, but in the wrong direction outside of myself. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and it, it was so fleeting and so fake that I was, I was trying to be oh, one of the guys and completely ignoring the unique individual who God created me to be. Whose identity and whose worth is only because Christ sees fit to love me or God sees fit to love me through Christ. And, you know, that really does make all the difference is, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if you want to play Helix or, you know, pedals or nothing, whatever, it doesn't make you, oh, yeah, I'm a modeling guy, I'm a profiling guy. You know, they're just tools. But for, but for real, the Helix is kind of <laughs> yeah. lame. I'm just kidding. I, I'm kidding. For the record, I'm kidding. Hashtag remember, by uh, But, yeah. I remember um, when I was going through my golf equipment addiction, um, I, I mean, I had these brand-new Nike irons. I mean, they, they were the ones that – this was in Tiger Woods' heyday. This was back in the early 2000s. Tiger was just, you know, dominating everything. Um, I had the same irons that he played. Oh man! And you know they. So, so they're solid. They're they're oh they're high I mean, quality. Oh high quality irons. I think they cost like a thousand bucks just the irons. <laughs> and um, I go out to play. I was I was working for a college at the time, and I went out to play with one of the professors, who was this gangly nerdy. Uh, looked like he shopped at the worst thrift stores ever uh, kind of guy. I mean, he didn't even come out to the golf course in the appropriate golf attire. Much less, he brought out these old blade irons. Probably it had 20 years. Okay. And he beat my brains in. <laughs> <laughs> Just beat my brains in. He look, you know, we, we get there to the golf course and he looks at my clubs and he goes, oh, nice irons. And then we walk, and it just just that casual, you know, didn't really pay attention to it. And he got out his twenty-year-old blades, 
and in uh, and, and his attire, I don't even know how to describe his attire. It did not look like he belonged on the golf course, but he beat my brains in. And it just, it, that was kind of like an awakening for me. Like, what am I doing? You know, it's not even about the love of the game anymore. It's not even about enjoying a sport uh, and, and a hobby. And, you know, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I mean, you know, when, when we enjoy things in this life, there really should be a sense in our hearts that we're giving God thanks for that. That I'm giving God thanks for the ability to go out and enjoy the sunshine and play golf, that my body is physically still capable of doing that, that I'm, I'm not in a wheelchair, not that that would be the end of my life or the world if, if that happened to me. My joy in Christ should far transcend my circumstantial realities, but I can go out and I can give thanks for these things and enjoy them in the right way without them becoming an idol in my But, you know, that was playing him and realizing that I had become addicted to equipment, kind of eye-opening for me. And I started to do a little soul-searching about, like, what, what, what am I doing? What am I spending my resources on? Why, am I, why do I have this insatiable need to get equipment and in and, the more you look at the scriptures, the more you realize that it 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 might play out circumstantially in different ways. But we we if if I think of the old hymn, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. And prone to leave the God I love. We we genuinely love the Lord. We love Jesus, and we we would all say He is my treasure. But how quickly our hearts can start to look and seek lesser treasures. In, in, in something as seemingly innocent and simple as equipment or a hobby. Uh, but it's dangerous. It's toxic because you know, we're studying through Romans at our church. And one of the most eye-popping things for me in chapter one was the way Paul describes this, this disorder that has taken place in the physical and natural world that flows from uh, the hearts of humanity uh, worship being given to the things that have been made rather than to the one who made them. You know, Paul says they exchanged the glory of God uh, for idols and created things. We could, you know, we, we understand what Paul's talking about. That can be money. That can be any kind of material thing, symbols of power, status symbols, uh, and those things, they, they sneak into our lives a lot of times through hobbies when you think about it. Yeah. Through the things that we, 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 we do for our enjoyment, quote unquote. Um, and, you know, I think the scripture's clear. God intends for our primary enjoyment to be him. And yep. when that gets lost, something toxic starts to happen in our souls. And, and, and I think you mentioned this before we actually started the podcast today, Cody, is that, you know, people that have gone significantly into debt uh, and, you know, experienced all kinds of, you know, where is it in Scripture where it talks about um, those who pursue money, they pierce themselves with many pains. You know, the, the worship of stuff can lead to all kinds of disaster. That's it's just not what God intended. It's out of order. So I'm surprised. Yeah, I, I really was expecting to just sort of tag along in this one like you did in the political episode. <laughs> but I really identify it. I appreciate your transparency, too, because it, these are the kinds of things that don't get talked about um, that, that can really steal our joy in Christ if, if we're not paying attention yeah, as, as I was thinking about uh, what we we're going to do today, last night, uh, I was reminded of Jesus' words in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money, and you could replace money with literally anything that's created. Um, but the the word devoted kind of, pops out there mm -hmm. like what what do you long to to accomplish or acquire are you trying to acquire more joy in god 
ultimately, or are you trying to acquire joy in stuff or status or whatever, you know, any of the other things that we've, we've talked about is looking cool or, you know, being able to do these things or whatever. Um, and then, you know, speaking of uh, guys who have gone into debt and some, you know, there's, there's running jokes on a lot of these Facebook gear pages of, of, I, I buy all my guitars in the same color. So then my wife doesn't know bought a new one, <laughs> 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 which is funny, <laughs> but at the same time, yeah. at the same time, it's pretty terrible. It um, wouldn't be, it, it, it wouldn't be funny if we couldn't relate to it though. Right. Exactly. That's the sad, and that's the really sad reason that it is funny. Now, right. you know, I, I, I haven't done that. I wouldn't do that. You know, I, um, you know, I, my wife, I, my wife is the budget. You just planted a seed in his head now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, my the, wife the, is the, the budget. Queen well. cool and she keeps a, well, yeah, wifey keeps a very close eye on the budget, so she'd find out. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, if, if we take it to the logical conclusion, we could even go, uh, go as far as I don't remember where it is, but, but Paul says, you know, if, if you're refusing to take care of your family, then you're basically disgracing the faith and you're worse than an unbeliever. Like, it, it can get that far. But you know, there's a flip side to this. John, do, does the Lutheran Church observe Lent? Yes. Every year? Do you yeah. guys do Ash Wednesday and, and you fast through the Lenten season? So the uh, the fasting is uh, is an individual choice. It's not uh, um, It's not adiaphora right and it's not even really talked up at least in at least not in in my my home denomination of it which would be missouri senate lutherans it's not really discussed um it would be a a personal choice um of you know of contrition and and whatnot but um that part isn't necessarily encouraged or discouraged but uh the rest of uh, of lent certainly is and i do enjoy fish fry fridays right (laughs) well (laughs) and and, and that's kind of where i was going you know like uh, i have a friend who's an anglican pastor uh priest i guess um and their rhythm with the lenten season is to fast from uh monday through saturday uh, generally, it's meat, alcohol, sugar, that kind of stuff. All the good uh, things, in right? Life. So you 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 eliminate <laughs> those things Monday through Saturday, but then Sunday every week uh, of the entire Lenten season, from Ash Wednesday to Resurrection Sunday, Sundays are feast days. Mm-hmm. And I I remember asking him one time, like, why is that? Like, what what's the point of that? Is it just sort of to give people a break? You know, like your 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 forty days of fasting is a long time, and is that just sort of like okay, we get to exhale a little bit, and uh, you know, then you know, gear back up for what's most important is the denial of things. And you know, he shared with me um, sort of the what, what's the thinking behind that, and it's it's really the truth that we're not we're not designed by God. To, for fasting, we're designed for feasting. That's mm-hmm. that's the point. I mean, we're all this whole thing is headed for the marriage supper of the Lamb. But in this life, we have to exercise restraint because of the tendency of our hearts to wander towards lesser treasures and, and seeking satisfaction. But the whole point of that that Lent Lenten rhythm, uh, at least with my friend in the Anglican Church, was. To remind the people that that you know God intends for us to enjoy Him to the full, that th- there there is a a feasting on Him that is completely unrestrained and does not require moderation. I mean, if you stop and think about that, that that's really mind blowing. Is because in every uh, every other facet of my life, I must exercise restraint. I have to watch how much sweets I eat. I have to. Uh, make sure that I, I don't overindulge in college football. I have to constantly restrain myself. And, and the point of fasting, really, I think biblically, is to remind my body that I don't live by bread alone. Uh, my satisfaction and my joy is meant to come from Christ alone. And, you know, 
if if we if if people are listening to this and still asking the question, what's wrong with you know being so uh, fixated on gear and, and all these kinds of things? Well, there might not be anything wrong with where your heart is with that, but when when a heart is um, is deceiving you and leading you away from the treasure. I mean, Psalm 16, in his presence is fullness of joy. It is right hand are pleasures forevermore. Uh, I'm definitely on board with John Piper when it comes to Christian hedonism, that we are, that the, the, the chief end of man is to enjoy God, that God's most glorified uh, in us when we are most satisfied in him. And so to idolatry not only robs God of the glory that he is due, but it robs us of the joy God intends for us to have in him. And and that to me should be, that, that's enough motivation for me to want to make sure that I, I feast on him. That all of my fasting, restraint, and moderate, trying to exercise moderation in this life is not just because I, my, my faith tells me I need to deny myself. Uh, it, it definitely does. But the gospel tells me that I can enjoy God to the fullest. And that's really the point of fasting. That's really the point of making sure that I don't have, you know, gear acquisition syndrome or golf equipment acquisition syndrome. The acronym mm-hmm. would work with that, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is this is. You know. And gospel episode really is, is this is like John said, this is a first commandment issue. Ultimately Mm -hmm. is, is gas often means that we have put other gods before the one true God. And now look at all this grace that he's shown you. Um, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That does not mean he will give you a 58 less Paul. (laughs) Right. 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 (laughs) He will give you more of himself, not, a vintage 83 rat. Unless you sow a thousand dollar seed. Right. And if you sow the seed into the Osteen distortion, <laughs> oh, he I will give you the desires of your Stop. heart. And... I shouldn't do <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. I mean, we got, that's, that's two shameless plugs that we've worked in. So I'm, I'm happy true. with that. <laughs> you know, the thing, you know, we're, we're, we're coming up on time a little bit here, but you know, the thing that I, that I saw in myself, and and I think a lot of other people do too, from Facebook comments or whatever it may be, is instead of admitting that you know we have a problem or need to um, need to humble ourselves or or be more uh, moderate in in you know our our gear churning, rather than admitting those things, what can happen an awful lot is we try to rationalize them and not just being like, Oh, you know, this, this is better because it'll make more room on my board or this guitar can do what two of my other guitars can. So I don't need the other two or whatever, not that sort of rationalization. The pro the type I'm talking about is, is much more severe. And that's saying that, well, this will allow me to glorify God more in my playing, you know, in, in, <laughs> It happens. Yeah. It, it it happens. And, you know, I, I don't really know what to go there other than to, to reflect back on what Bradley, you shared and reminded us about, you know, Piper's words. You know, we don't glorify God by things that we have. Right. We glorify God by being satisfied in him because he has given us everything by recognizing that by pointing other people to God through our actions and through what we do by being fully satisfied in what God has given us. That sort of stuff glorifies God. You know, fulfilling our vocations as fathers and you know, sons and daughters and servants, whatever that glorifies God sounding a little bit better. Yeah, I tell you what, for for all the musicians and worship leaders, um, I want to encourage you, if you haven't done this, to go on a missions trip where there's there's some sort of 
worship element involved or you're going to be a part of worship services in a third world uh, or second world country. Uh, because that alone maybe is what kept me from going too far with musical gear because I could have gone there too. Uh, but I remember we, we were, I, I preached in a church in the hills of Jamaica a few years ago. Uh, and we went into this little building, you know, it wasn't very impressive at all. Um, some wonderful people showed up, that, you know, the place would maybe hold a hundred and there, it was packed. It's probably 115, 20 people there, people sitting on the floor, standing, and I'm in a suit and it's 9,000 degrees outside and there's no air conditioning building. <laughs> um, and I, I'm on the platform waiting to be handed the microphone to, to preach. And the worship team starts up such as it was, it was a bass player, a keyboard player, uh, a drummer, and then three or four singers. And I, I am not exaggerating at all. The bass player was in one key, the piano player was in another key, and the singers were in a third key. Never did the three intersect. It was horrific musically. <laughs> it, it, that's putting it mildly. And, and, you know, suffice to say, the equipment that they had, bass, guitar, keyboard, sound system, would not pass any sort of standard that you know we have for our churches today uh, here in America. But I'm telling you what, that church worshiped their faces off despite how bad that was. I mean, they, it, you, you talk about <laughs> making a joyful noise. It was noise that hurt my ears. It was all <laughs> I could do not to make faces on the platform where they, they you know, in Jamaica, churches, you know, they have a level of formality to them um, and I was on the platform sitting beside the pastor of this church and they, you know, it, it was all I could do not to just cringe at what was going on musically until I really began to see the beauty of this spirit and truth kind of worship that was going on in place. And, and, you know, guitar gear and tone and, you know, technique and, and all those things are, are good and can be helpful, but, but they can't supplant that. Just we're doing this because we want to enjoy God and savor God. That's when, you know, golf ceases to be about golf and it, it becomes more about equipment or leading worship ceases to be about the worship of God. It becomes more about pedals and, and guitars and keyboards and all these all these things that we've tacked on. Um, that, you know, can be helpful or they can be huge hindrances. That's why when, when the Bible talks about the love of money is the root of all evil, it's not the money itself. It, that's not the problem. That's, money is neutral, but it's the love of it that Absolutely. becomes problematic. So it's, the, the guitar equipment is neutral. It's a thing. It's inanimate. It doesn't matter. And upgrading it is just fine. It's, it's just awesome. fine. But the yeah, love I mean, of I, absolutely. I mean, I don't want any of our listeners to think that you know we're saying that you know you shouldn't practice or you shouldn't have reliable equipment to accomplish your role um, in the worship team or whatever it may be. Uh, we're not saying that at all. Um, you know what we're really getting at is what's most important. Yeah. So just good. Yeah. As we uh, as we close out today, I wanted to uh, to share some. Uh, some some chuckle uh, fuel here yes. Uh, yes. from a premier guitar uh, article entitled "Are You a Gear Addict?" They've got a list <laughs> of fifteen items derived from conversations My with others in the twelve step program. Only um, only fifteen. Well, yeah, I mean, you gotta, <laughs> you know, you've got to be economical on your page uh, allotment. Oh, yeah. um, let's see. Number one, you find yourself saying that your next guitar will be your last purchase. At least for now. Number two, the amp you bought just last week isn't as good as the one you read about this week. <laughs> yep. Number three, mustard caps sound better than orange drops, but you can't remember your nephew's birthday. Oh, don't get me started on capacitors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That'll be a bonus see. episode when I rant about capacitors. <laughs> there we go. 
Let's see, number five. Uh, let's see, there's a gut check here. You constantly find yourself putting together lists of what you can sell to fund other gear purchases. Hey, number oh. six. You take delivery of equipment at your office or a friend's house so your wife doesn't see another box arrive at home. Number seven, now we address this one. You actually consider the cosmetic similarity to another amper guitar so when your wife spots it, you can see, oh, you can say that one? Nah, I've had it for a long time now. You remember, it's that other one. Mm. Uh, let's see, oh, number nine, it concerns you and ruins your practice session that your frets aren't properly dressed. Um, number 10. All I do need a fret dressing all on my guitars, though. All the, <laughs> all, boot, all the boutique builders are on your speed dial, including the spot where 911 was once programmed. Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, you can hear the difference in cable directionality, but can't remember to take out the trash. I can read uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, number 14, uh, which I'm glad I, I don't uh, uh, have to relate with this one, you need to rent a storage facility to stash the gear that's out of rotation at this moment. Uh, <laughs> so there's a, there's, a, there's a little bit of humor uh, to, uh, to bring us to an end today. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to do a, a bonus episode to rant about electronic <laughs> myths. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Anyway. Uh, recommended reading this week, fellas. Well, uh, my uh, go oh, go ahead, Brett. <laughs> no, go ahead, John. Go ahead. So I was just like, nope, this is my turn. Go ahead, bud. <laughs> For those listening, this is uh, this is just how we give the uh, illusion that we're doing this live. Uh, that's all. Um, so my recommended uh, reading for this week isn't actually reading, but uh, listening and or watching, depending on your platform of choice. I'm going to recommend a, uh, a sermon recording by Matt Chandler entitled, God Can Break the Chains of Addiction That Bind You. Uh, not only is the title truth in that, but Matt Chandler has a uh, wonderful way of delivering scriptural truth in a way uh, that uh, uh, hits at home. Um, and so even if you're not currently dealing with some sort of addiction, which we all kind of do. We call them vices to make them feel a bit better. I would recommend checking that out because you know at the end of the day, after those 40 minutes are over, that no matter what the sermon was about, Matt Chandler will have given you Jesus in those 40 minutes, and we all need Jesus. So give that a watch. Um, you, track, you tracking with me? Tracking with me, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to recommend a book that at first might sound um, like, why, what does this have to do with what we've talked about today? Um, but the book is called uh, The Shallows by Nicholas Carr, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. Um, it's a fantastic read. And um, the summary is that it, you kind of alluded to this earlier, John, is this mentality that we have that that which is the latest must be the greatest that which is right in front of me must be the most important thing and it, it we 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 see in our culture this inability to think linearly linearly uh, and to um, really place the appropriate value on delayed gratification um, and the the premise of the book is how the internet and social media and media is, is really in one sense rewiring our brains uh, to think in sound bites, to think in a scattered ways, not in a linear train of thought. Um, and you know, here's a, a quote from uh, the book um, that he talks about how um, that you know the delivery method of information not only supplies the stuff of thought but it also shapes the process of thought and what the net seems to be doing is chipping away at my capacity for concentration and contemplation whether i'm online or not my mind now expects to take in information the way the net distributes it streaming particles of information and um I, how does that tie in remotely with what we talked about today i i think our you know, the, the age of technology and internet social media doesn't help us when it comes to this kind of reflection and introspection and 
um, really evaluating our own hearts and, and where we are with, with anything. Um, and, you know, I, I think we talked about fasting earlier, but, you know, if, if you're listening today and you think, well, man, I'm not sure if, if my, you know, gear acquisition stuff is crossed over into addiction level or not. Fast, you know, take, take a step back, uh, turn off the computer and social media and really spend some time in prayer and scripture. Um, because, you know, the way our world is structured now, we just do not find a whole lot of space or encouragement towards really evaluating these kinds of topics well in our own lives. And, and I think the, the book, when I read it, just sort of prompted me to sort of step back and go, you know, what am I, you know, what, what is the rhythm of my life? And with, as it relates to technology and other things, how is that affecting my, my ability to, to think and meditate on Christ? You know, um, it, that was a real challenge for me when I read that book. It's not a, I don't think the guy's a Christian, but it was a lot of helpful insights there. So The Shallows by Nicholas Carr. Cool. Uh, I've got two things. The first is an article on Alpha and Omega Ministries website by James White called The Secret to Christian Contentment. That should be relatively self-explanatory. And when John started riffing on uh, on identity, uh, I was reminded of of a book by someone who is now a bit of a theological pariah, bless his heart, uh, but Who Do You Think You Are by one Mark Driscoll, uh, which is actually a pretty good book, even though it might be half plagiarized. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> but it's a good book. Good, good study through, through Ephesians. So, John, feel free to insert all manner of how dare you and who do you think you are that one Driscoll YouTube video because <laughs> that is one of the best things on the internet. Uh, so I wish we had I wish we had one of those those sound effects boards that they have in like live radio where you just push a button and you know yeah, whatever right. happens. Yeah, yeah. that'd yeah. be Cross that'd be great. Politic. One yeah, <laughs> Cross Politic does a very good job with that. What's mm-hmm. wrong with you people? Uh, but anyway, if you are actively writing and performing music and would like to be an official Westminster artist and even get your song played at the end of one of these podcasts and you get discounts on pedals, even though uh, don't get gas. Uh, fill out our application at westminstereffects.com. Uh, dang it, I forgot to fill out the song title, but we're going to play something. Westminster artist Alexia Rodriguez and her band Eyes Set to Kill. Uh, I don't know what the song title is right now. Thanks for listening. <laughs>